I've been trying to be the best version of me and to not lose my, say, adrenaline junkie. Some of my attributes that I attribute to my sports endeavors. You need to figure out what's important. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect, how obstacles can be overcome to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 100. This is my 100th episode. I want to say thank you to everyone who has ever listened, subscribed, got the review, shared, given me feedback. Oh my guests, I started Running is Cheaper Than Therapy during the pandemic because I'm kind of a busybody. And I needed something to do quarantined in my home. And it was on my bucket list. So I just want to share that this is my last episode of season six. I may be pivoting to do another podcast with a friend. Stay tuned. Nonetheless, I will be taking a little break after this episode. And I apologize. I had a little hiatus, which I'll get into in this episode. But I first wanted to say thank you. The labor of love. But I enjoy sharing me and sharing my guests with you about running and other endurance sports. And just, as I always say, guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. So the title of this episode is, Who Am I? Who Are We as Athletes When We Can't Compete? So for those of you who personally know me and know my journey, Actually, since 2020, (laughs) life has been challenging. I know it's been challenging for a lot of people. COVID, the pandemic happened in March of 20. I got COVID following a ski trip. Also at this same ski trip, I hurt my knee pretty bad. I was able to finish skiing on the trip, but I ultimately needed surgery in December of 2020. COVID wasn't bad, but it was just scary. I didn't know whether I would get worse because it was unknown. I didn't know I would be dropped dead and be in my house, quarantined. (laughs) It was scary. My favorite uncle passed away. Couldn't go to his funeral because it was limited. It's a lot of stuff. Isolated. And although I used to be in denial, I'm an introvert, uh, extroverted introvert because I like people, but I like my me time. But 2020 was too much me time. So 2021, it's a bit better. Still, a lot of things weren't going on. Not many races. Had surgery, had to recover from. No summit, so I had to worry about skiing. By 2022, I was back to skiing. Never really got back to running. Had another surgery. Thinking it would help. It did, but I'm still 2023. Not able to really run. I can ski. My skiing is not what it was in 20. As far as the speed, but I haven't been skiing as much. And I admit I'm a little fearful of hurting myself again because it's a long recovery and I'm getting older. It is my favorite thing to do out of all the things I do. 
and hopefully make sure I can get back to where at least where I want to be. And for mainly the racing because I love ski racing. I know it's crazy, but I like to do things that are a little scary, a little nervous, but exhilarating at the same time. I know it's crazy. Also, along with 2020, I had a lot of financial woes. My hospital I was working at couldn't pay me. A lot of elective cases were canceled. So in the hole, I'm still trying to get out of the hole. People think doctors just make money and live in the light of lecture, and that's not necessarily true. So that's been another challenge. And again, with two knee surgeries. And also just recently had another surgery, which is why um, I didn't release the episode the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to talk about something today, which probably has nothing to do with endurance racing sports. But then again, it does. It's March, the end of March, Women's History Month. And there are a lot of women athletes, great athletes, icons, people who inspired me as a child and as an adult. So, as you know, I am a Black female, proud to be. And something that a lot of women, particularly Black women, fibroids. So I've had them for years. And... They're not fun. Some of them don't cause any issues with some women. Some women have problems with um, heavy periods, cramping, some infertility problems. Some ultimately have to undergo a hysterectomy and cause anemia. Well, I, my fibroids cause heavy bleeding. And I was thinking as I got older, like my cycles will be better. Less cramping, less, less bleeding. But they've become worse in the last couple of years. And interestingly enough, the female athlete, I got on the pill just to regulate my cycle. When I was training for Ironman Louisville in 2019, I did not want my cycle to be on doing the race. It's hard enough to go through a day of competing without having to deal with my cycle. So the best way to regulate it is to get on the pill. So my doctor had been wanting to put me on the pill or do a... Um, called embolization, or um, you can also do a uh, process where it embolize your um, uterine artery. No, I didn't want to do any of those, and I really don't like taking pills that are um, get inserted what's called an IUD. So, but I did do I did the pills <laughs> just for the race. After the race, I got off the pill, and my cycles became heavy again. And not to be graphic, but I, bl- I bled enough to save a life, honestly. I was anemic. My doctor um, put me on iron and vitamin C helps to absorb the iron. And if my iron didn't go up significantly, she was going to recommend IV iron because I lost that much blood. I also had to get a colonoscopy to make sure I wasn't bleeding from somewhere else because it was significant anemia with um, iron deficiency. So after getting on the pill on a regular basis, getting back on the pill because I didn't want to deal with the bleeding and I was able to get off of the iron because iron causes other issues with constipation. The older you get, you realize that um, when I was growing up, my grandma was obsessed with bowels and loved prune juice. And I realized that I'm getting older because I'm not obsessed with my bowels, but they're on my mind sometimes. Anyway, so I'm back on the pill. Cycles look better. It's easier to work out when you don't have to worry about your cycle when it's on. So going from seven days to five days to changing 
tampon and pad every two hours to just having a tampon every few hours versus every two hours. Sorry, I'm being graphic, but this is what women go through. And if you're a man listening to this, you might not go through it, but you have a sister, a wife, a friend that's a woman that goes through these things. So it's not foreign. So I've noticed in the last year, even through the pills, my cycle still was heavier and I got a lot of cramp. I got ultrasound and I had a lot of fibroids. So I decided to get them removed. So that was my surgery. I had a laparoscopic myomectomy. I had eight fibroids. One of them was named ball size, mostly. between golf ball and a baseball. I also had was endometriosis, which is some of the uterine tissue is disseminated into your pelvis and they can cause similar pain, cramping. Um, and also I had so much endometriosis that it had scarred my appendix. So I took my appendix out. So all this was done laparoscopically. Stay overnight. And two weeks tomorrow was the surgery. So I'm still recovering. I can't do any working out for three weeks. So I've been resting, but to recovery. Catching up on Netflix, Apple TV, or whatever streaming service. Catching up on taxes and actually connecting with people I hadn't talked to in a while, which is a good thing. Sometimes we're so much on the go that we don't take time for some things that are important, like relationships and people. Another thing. So, October, homecoming, family, great time. But it really took me out. So, <laughs> I was running, run walking still. I was swimming, cycling, but homecoming, I danced a lot. And I actually, I failed, which is just is really crazy. I was packing. I was on the floor packing. I went to get up and I put some weight, put some pressure on my laundry basket to help me get up and it collapsed. And I failed to have my shoulders. So my shoulders have been bothering me since then. I mentioned this on another podcast. So I had an MRI, had a partial thickness rotator cuff there, which I've had for years. But this was different because I had their supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis, four muscles that make up the rotator cuff. So before, it looked like I had a partial thickness tear with infraspinatus. This looked more supraspinatus. And I also had atrophy, which is, I've heard of athletes after surgery, atrophy, basically the muscle shrinks. So my muscle, for some reason, shrinks. And it's usually seen when you have a cyst, putting pressure on the nerve, but that wasn't seen in my MRI. So I'm weak in what's called external rotation, which is when you rotate your arm out. So I haven't been able to swim prior to surgery. I can't swim now anyway for our post-op purposes. So all I really can do when my restrictions are lifted will be to get back on the bike. And I should know when I go to my follow appointment when I can start back on the bike. So I've been going through a lot and I may need one more surgery in order to be quote unquote whole. <laughs> so the title, I said, where are we when we can't compete? So that's been me. For whatever reason, had issues with my heart in 2019, which wouldn't have been nothing, but I had to get it evaluated because I don't want to drop dead at a race. And I had issues with my knees, my shoulders, and then my female problems. I really haven't been able to compete, really, since 2019. And I, interesting, I walked the other day, maybe four blocks, two blocks, really, to go to the store. And I was walking slow mainly because I hadn't been doing much because I had surgery and my knees are a little sore because joints like to move and I haven't been moving much. 
So I'm thinking I'm walking slow, very slow, due to my knees and surgery. Like I can't even walk fast. And then I'm thinking about it's getting warmer, so it's getting close to being triathlon season. My skating isn't almost over, but I want to take one more trip. But three weeks after surgery, probably not a good idea. Although I got invited to the sweet, <laughs> sweet deal for um, Park City. I really want to go. But so I probably won't do any more skiing into my birthday trip in Chile. My shoulder, I may need surgery on. And I'm waiting until after I heal up from this other surgery to get back in the pool and see how I do with my exercises to see if I can do prolonged swimming because that's what I need. If I wanted to, I want to race. I can do sprints a shorter distance, but I really want to at least get back to do a 7.3s 7. as far as um, triathlons and biking. I said this was going to be my biking season, which is it. That should be a possibility because I should be able to bike in at least two to three more weeks. But it's weird, and I talked about this with Anna, the therapist I had on a few weeks ago, about how a lot of athletes find their identity in their sports. And when that's gone, sometimes it's like, you're like, who am I? And I felt like that. Not that sports or athletic endeavors are my world, but they're a significant part of my world, a significant part of my social life. And I've been grieving the loss, and I feel like it's being compounded along with a lot of other things going on in my life, and it's causing me some distress. So I've been trying to find the best ways to deal with it and keep my positive, happy-go-lucky attitude. Today, (laughs) I noticed I had an issue, and it really bothered me, and I'm thinking, am I on edge because of everything that's going on with me, or should I be pissed off about this issue? So. Who am I? I'm Weta Brown. Again, I'm a black woman. I'm a physician, orthopedic surgeon. I'm an athlete, even though I can't compete. I'm a runner. I'm a swimmer. I'm a triathlete. I'm a skier. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I know my parents are no longer here. They passed away. I'm a sister. One to one biological brother and many, 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 many other sisters, sorority and otherwise. I'm a friend, cousin, dope auntie, godmother, Christian, entrepreneur, podcaster, rugby, football fanatic, particularly Eagles Fly, Eagles Fly. I'm an adventurer, adrenaline junkie. Those are just a few things that describe me. So I've been trying to be the best version of me and to not lose my say, adrenaline junkie, some of my attributes that I'd attribute to my sports endeavors. And figure out what's important and where I want to, how I want to proceed. So that's one of the reasons I'm taking a break. I want to focus on some other things that I might neglected in life. One thing I just did was just my health, which had nothing to do with a sports injury. It's interesting, after I had surgery, well, before I had surgery, I was a little nervous because I'm used to orthopedic surgeon. That's what I do. So I'm not, I'm more com- I'm comfortable because I, I know what they're going to do when I'm asleep. But this surgery I just had was foreign to me, although I'm a woman, yes. But it's basically major abdominal surgery. And I had three surgeries in one. I know it was laparoscopic. That's weird being on the other side of the knife. 
And it's a weird feeling because I tell all my patients, whether it's mild surgery, carpal tunnel, trigger finger. So whether it be something small like carpal tunnel or trigger finger or just something bigger, hip fracture, major like femur fracture and femur is a big bone in your leg with that bone. I always when I consent them, let them know that there is a risk of death, stroke, heart attack. I remember when I was a resident, our county hospital was called Cooper Green in Alabama. Patient underwent a carpal tunnel, which is a simple hand procedure, but you can do with the patient awake, um, like MAC, which is just like anesthesia. You don't need a breathing tube. Some people are too nervous, so they won't go to sleep. So this one patient, Cooper Green, carpal tunnel surgery, she's just too nervous to do it under MAC. So you put her to sleep. And I'm not sure I have. I thought, oh, my God. So the patient who had the carpal tunnel procedure passed away. She had a successful surgery, was taken to the recovery room. Something happened in the recovery room where she stopped breathing. They tried to resuscitate her and were unable to. So she passed away. I can't imagine the physician, which was a hand fellow, talking to the patient's wife, saying that she passed away, thinking it was just a routine procedure. So all surgery has this risk. There is the risk related to that particular, say, hand, the region where they're called the carpal tunnel, their nerves, vessels. There's always risk of damaging those. And if you have a broken bone, there is a may not heal infection, things of that nature. But anytime I put someone to sleep, put them on a breathing tube, there's worse things that could go wrong. Sometimes doing surgery patients, blood pressure can be out of control. A person can have a stroke. You never know, particularly if a person has significant medical problems. So I don't take surgery lightly, even though I've had several. And um, a lot of my friends come to me when they have orthopedic issues and just to run things by me as a second opinion. And while I might recommend surgery for them, I know it's not without its risk. So when it comes to surgery, I see it as a risk benefit analysis is the risk, whatever you're having something for. No matter how small it may be, I think, like, what if I don't wake up? What if I don't make it? And all these thoughts go to my head, like, no regrets. When I leave this world, whatever that is, I don't want to have any regrets. Whether it be I'm on my bucket list, whether it be relationships, I don't want to have any regrets. So I was thinking about that before I went to surgery. And let people know where I do have a will. During COVID, actually, as in the side, you should have one. Particularly, you have a lot of assets in family. On COVID, I kind of got my fears in order and I have my will and people know where it is. I have medical power of attorney. So something happens in me. I want the right people making choices for me if I can't make choices for myself. So that's important. I have a whole team. So let people know where stuff is just in case something happens. I know is that kind of morbid? Uh, maybe it is. But sometimes I think about when I go through things. So as I was having surgery, when I woke up, my wife was like, thank God I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. So things to ponder. Who are you without your titles, without 
your your thing, right? And if those things were taken away, would you be? Would you be happy? Would you pivot? So again, I want to say thank you for joining me on this this trip, running this trip in therapy. Stay tuned for what's next for me. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is cheaper than therapy, OLB Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. Again, that is running is cheaper than therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. It also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and my website at www.weouilife.com. We owe you I love.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in again.